It is the 200 level episode 165, The Waiting, which is Tom Petty once saying is in fact the hardest part. Mike Carpenter here on this very cloudy, dull, dreary January day, and we are in day five, or what, day six, without Illinois basketball, and it will be Friday before we get back to it, but it is a huge game against Iowa. And I talked with Jeremy a little bit earlier today on the Illini Inquirer podcast, and mentioned to him how it is going to be difficult to get as excited for this game as we probably thought we'd be. Go back to the day the schedule came out, I think in October, and we circled this date, January 29th, a Friday night at the State Farm Center, knowing full well that we wouldn't be there, but that that game was going to have so many implications to it, and it still does, right? I mean, it still has some Big Ten title implications, even though you know I've said before I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole until this team gives me reason to, and yet I keep getting sucked back in. But at a minimum, it is an opportunity for a signature win for an Illini team that I think badly needs one. And we see bracketologies come out. We saw one today from Fox Sports, and we'll see Lunardi and all that kind of stuff too. And Yeah, I'm sure that Illinois is still going to be a four or five seed in a lot of these things. But as the season goes on, if you miss these opportunities for signature wins, I don't know if you're going to end up on that line. And I want to, right? I have recalibrated expectations now away from Big Ten title, the way the Michigan's playing, even though we'll get into their layoff here until what, February 7th, I think. But I'll lay off of that and then go back to what Lon and I so often talked about that we got sick of back in the early 2000s. Ah, another four seed. Ugh, a five seed, really. It's not the most exciting. But when you consider Illinois' been, I will take it. And it still tells you that you're a top 20 team. And I think even if this team doesn't get a hang of banner at the end of the year that says Big Ten title, or even for that matter, Big Ten tournament title, you do put yourself in a position to make a run in the NCAA tournament if you get a four or a five seed. Now, that does mean, unfortunately, that you would play a one seed in the Sweet 16. So I'd love to get a three or maybe even a two if this team can get red hot. But it seems like the likeliest outcome for this Illinois team, knowing what their ceiling is, but also knowing how inconsistent they can be, a four or five seed will take it. I don't want much worse than that. I don't want a six, seven, or God forbid, an eight, nine game. But give me the four or five seed with some signature wins in there, and I will just try to sit back, relax, and enjoy the big wins as they come. It starts Friday night against Iowa. So if there is a job of this podcast, maybe it is to somehow get us excited again for a team that we've always hated, but I think has really conjured up, more than any team in recent memory, has really conjured up that angry Illini fan vibes. And I was talking with Jeremy about this today, about what was the last Big Ten team that got that sort of venom going? He had asked about the early 2000s Wisconsin teams, and back then, Wisconsin was still kind of cute. We did not figure for the next 20 years that they'd be winning a bunch of Big Ten titles and become the annoying juggernaut that they are. I said the early 2000s Indiana team. Go back to Dane Fife, Tom Coverdale, Kirk Haston at center. I think Jared Jeffries was on one of those teams. They were really good. They were really annoying. And those Illinois-Indiana games were pretty tough. And I think they pretty much evenly split those back in the Bill Self era. In fact, if I recall, the Illinois team that got the one seed in 2001, they lost on the Saturday of the Big Ten tournament to that Indiana team. They were pesky. They were good. And they actually made a national title, I think, in 2002 with Mike Davis as their coach. So that was how far I had to go back for that. It would be tough for me to think in 04, 05, if there was another Big Ten team that we really hated. I don't know. I mean, Michigan State's never been the kind of heated rivalry. It's always been friendly. 
Iowa wasn't all that great for much of the 2000s. Closest might have been when Alford was there with Pierre Pierce. Is that right? Back in 0405. But yeah, when you talk about rivalries, it's been a long time since there's been a single Big Ten opponent that has really inspired this much rancor among the fan base. And it's fun. It's fun to have that. And I hope that it can really ramp up as we get ready for Friday. But we are still waiting. We're biding time. We're waiting for any sort of news and hopefully good news when it comes to Big Ten basketball with all of the COVID postponements, with Michigan having to put things on hold because the new variant is spreading in their own athletic department. That's scary. But the Big Ten race, here I go again. I guess it's wide open with Michigan taking this break. Who knows how good they'll be when they come back after a long layoff. You win Friday, and maybe we can revisit that, though, of course, I caution myself on that. Hey, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, though, got to remind you, 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so you can stay home as this winter weather moves through the sleet, the snow, the ice. They'll bring it right to your doorstep, piping hot, and you can get $5 calzones or $6 premium and construction zones by using coupon code MIKE. That's a dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. It's not too late to get your new lucky shirt. We need to start a new streak, right? We need a winning streak. And maybe the best way to do that is to get a brand new t-shirt or sweatshirt from fourthandkirby.com. And you can save 10% off your order by using 200 level or the 200 level as your coupon code at fourthandkirby.com. I got three shirts and a crew neck sweatshirt myself. I rotate based on how the winning streaks are going. And I know Isaac, he's got his own fourth and Kirby t-shirt ready to go for Friday. So that's fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level. And finally, stay from agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. You don't need a coupon code for that. It's state farm prices. So you know that it's going to be a great deal. We got a homeowners and auto bundle, but I think the most impressive thing out of all of it was how seamless the whole process was with Brian and his staff. They personalized it. They made it extremely easy for me and Kara in what was otherwise a very busy and crazy month. And we know that they got our back and they're experts in this sort of thing, which I am not. I got to defer to the experts. Brian is certainly that. And he is also my guy and he can be your guy if you go to Brian is my guy. Dot com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Before I get going a little bit further, uh, ratings and reviews, they're huge for us. Apple Podcasts, we continue to get those in. Love the feedback. The compliments are great. You can also leave a hate-filled review, expletive-laden, whatever you want to do. That's fine with me at Apple Podcasts. But the ratings and reviews are huge when people search for Alana Podcast, of which there are many. They continue to come out. It seems like every other day I'm getting on Twitter and there's a new Illini podcast. So, hey, if you make us part of your sports podcast rotation, we appreciate that. And then, of course, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at 217showers. All right, that was a bit of a mouthful there. Hopefully I got through that okay. And those are the formalities, the particulars for a podcast, which I need to be honest. I don't usually come in here with notes anyways. But this week, more than any, I'm flipping on the microphone and thinking, okay, what, what are we talking about again? There weren't any basketball games to talk about since the Penn State one, which I thought was overall an impressive win. And I would love to have followed that up with the win at Michigan State. I think that actually would have been a distinct possibility, even with as inconsistent as this Illini team has played so far. And I hate the fact that we didn't get something in between Penn State and Iowa. As a fan, I hate the fact that we didn't have another game to watch in this winter that continues to drag. Well, I say drag, it's already January 25th. 
But in this year where we're looking for any sort of excitement and Illini basketball was the thing that we probably look forward to the most in terms of sports. And we had this long interruption for really the first time this season. And I guess that speaks to the fact that Illinois, they've done their job. They've stayed healthy. Unfortunately, other teams have not. And I could go on some diatribe about how Nebraska stinks. They do. Or how Michigan, oh God, how, how dare they get a COVID breakout in their athletic program? Or in the case of Michigan State, same thing. But that would be a little bit wrong, for lack of a better term, in the middle of a global pandemic to start going in on these athletic departments. How dare you keep this spread from happening? Listen, the spread's everywhere. I was at Meyer yesterday, and I see this older, I say older, in their 50s couple, and their noses are just out of their mask. Now, maybe they're just dumb. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get the memo that, you know, that's where air comes out of as well is your nostrils and that can spread it. But I thought, well, no wonder we're in this mess because we got twiddle D and twiddle dumb coming down the aisle at Meyer right by me with their noses exposed. Now, hopefully that doesn't mean I get it. Knock on wood. I don't, but no wonder this thing just happens to pop up. Even for all those people that are taking precautions. And I'm assuming that most of these Big Ten basketball programs have done so. But guess what? Sometimes you do everything you can and it creeps in there like any other disease and you have a hard time getting it out of that sphere. So unfortunately, we've had a lot of interruptions in the Big Ten recently and we shouldn't be surprised. But I do want to start with one thing that I was thinking about last week and I got to give credit to my parents for bringing this up. Had not even considered this in the midst of this Illinois basketball season that has been, at times, very frustrating, at other times, enthralling and thrilling. These are 18 to 22-year-old kids living in a global pandemic. I go back to when I was 18 to 22 years old, still figuring things out. Many things I did not have figured out. I was kind of a mess. I was trying to figure out what my priorities were. I know that sounds like a very old man thing to say. And finding that balance in life, which can be so tricky to achieve, that I'm still trying to find that balance. So we're asking these 18 to 22-year-old kids to essentially live in a bubble, even if it's not as you know intense as, let's say, the NBA bubble back in the summer. We're asking them to not do things that even I can probably do without even thinking about it. Go to the store, for example. I'm guessing they're recommending to the guys in the Illinois basketball team, hey, come to practice, go home go to class, go home. But other than that, don't do a whole hell of a lot. And here they are in the middle of a season that for them, as much fun as playing basketball may be, they have other things on their mind. And I think about how external factors can impact the work that I do. Usually I can go to class and teach it regardless of what's going on in my personal life and get it done. But I know that I'm probably wearing that emotion on my face, or maybe not at the top of my game if something's bothering me. Now you got these 18 to 22 year old kids playing basketball at not the highest level, but close to it. D1 college basketball, the power five level. And we're asking them to compartmentalize all these external things and just go out and play ball. And I think I came into this year assuming that's exactly what would happen, which is a very selfish approach as a fan. Of course, I'm excited to watch these games, but then you got to take it from the other perspective, as a human, and think that, okay, if Io doesn't look like he's 100% there all the time, when you consider the fact that he has not seen his family for months, that he's essentially sequestered in Champaign-Urbana or in his apartment and then the State Farm Center and then back to his apartment, and that's his life, 
This is going to have an impact on people. This is going to have an impact even to how they play a basketball game. And where we might look at it as an escape. That's easy for us to say because we watch two hours of basketball, or in the case of all these games that are being terribly officiated, two and a half hours of basketball. And then we go about our lives. These guys, this is it. And as much as they may love the sport, I doubt they ever expected to be playing it under these circumstances. So if I were to start with something, kind of recalibrating not just my expectations for how good of a basketball team I think this can be, I think we need to also take a human approach here and think, okay, when these guys have a bad game or when these guys are seemingly a little bit out of sorts, it's not always about basketball. There may be some real-life personal things that are bothering these 18 to 22-year-old kids, and they handle it differently, as any human being does, and they aren't as equipped as adults, older than they are, to probably handle this thing. And hence, you get maybe inconsistent play. You get a season that feels a little bit disjointed. I didn't really consider these things. And that seems ridiculous for all the times I came on here in the summer and I'm like, man, should we be playing sports? And I would try to temper my enthusiasm of sports coming back with the realities of trying to play in a pandemic. And yet when the game started, gone, not even thinking about it. Pandemic, shmandemic, go Illini. Why are you guys sucking again? Come on, you should be 12 and two, not nine and five or 12 and three. I'm not good with math regardless. Point being that I got sucked into that hole as a sports fan and stop looking at these guys that are, what, 12, 13 years younger than I am as humans. That's a dangerous place to be. It's the kind of thing that if you take it too far, you become one of those people that says, well, these revenue sports guys, they shouldn't see a little bit of money back, despite the fact the NCAA makes billions of dollars. These guys shouldn't see a cent of it. They're getting a free education. I don't want to become one of those cynical college sports fans, at least in regards to the student athletes, quote unquote, that I'm watching for all the time and effort they put into it for my enjoyment. And here I am saying, Oh God, how dare this Illinois team drop a disappointing game at home to Maryland. Yeah, they should have won it. But I guess my point is that when you add the perspective of what's going on, maybe that explains a little bit of the inconsistency that we've seen with this team or take the big 10 in general, apart from Michigan and their unbelievable start, every team in the big 10, has had these moments where you say, what? What the hell? Iowa losing at home to Indiana, and then that Indiana team a few days later losing at home to Rutgers. Minnesota, as wild as their season's been, they find themselves in the top 25. I'm thinking, how is this Illinois team in the top 19? And then you look around college basketball and realize that every team is a bit of a mess right now, with two exceptions, Gonzaga and Baylor. And I guess Michigan, if you're looking at the Big Ten, but now they're out for two weeks. So this thing's a mess, and maybe if I kind of take a step back, the human approach of saying, okay, listen, these guys got other things in their mind, but also just from a sports fan's perspective and recognizing that this whole season is very scattershot, and it's going to remain so, that maybe you have the guys that you need to make a run, despite the fact that it hasn't looked all that pretty for probably obvious reasons. Now, there is a chance that that whole thing I just said was a very long-winded way of rationalizing poor basketball from a team that should not be playing that poor basketball. I get that. I do not want to make excuses. I just think that context is important, and maybe that's part of it, and I wouldn't blame them. Georgie, another example. There was a time last summer when we would walk the dog on campus when all the students were gone at the six-pack, and there were a few times where I would see Georgie 
doing like a personal kind of workout in that big lawn thing that they got. And it hit me that this guy's been here since the pandemic began, has not seen his family for much of the summer, probably didn't see any of his teammates, essentially living in isolation in a different country from where he was born. And I'm thinking, you know, I've had it pretty easy in this pandemic thing. And we're asking these student athletes to do a lot more than I've been asked to do. So I don't know, just food for thought. A little bit of compassion. Now, I say all that, and if Illinois falls behind 12 points to Iowa, I'll be sounding like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. You know, where you're cursing, but you can't actually curse because this is a family-friendly podcast, as you all know. Now, let's talk about this game coming up on Friday and what to expect from it. Now, I expect Illinois to win. And the reason for that is, one, it's a good matchup for Illinois. If you go back to last year, and even the game at Iowa City that Iowa ultimately won by, I think, seven or eight points, but that game was close throughout, and I think it was free throws that essentially gave them that cushion late in the game. I mean, you entered the under-four timeout with a chance to win that game up at Iowa City, and it was not the best uh, Illinois performance at all last year. In fact, it was uh, very uneven, especially in that second half, and yet Iowa couldn't shake you. And I think that the backcourt matchup, as good as shooters as Iowa has, you have athletes in the backcourt, and I think that can neutralize it a bit. And then we saw the game here at Champaign, which, again, the, the memory of that game is so strong for the people that were there especially, being the last time that you could congregate 16,000 under the same roof, and what a game it was. A game that Illinois could have won going away, and I think that's credit to Iowa and also the fact that last year's Illinois team just was incapable of shutting the door on opponents. But you were up as many as 15, I think, in the second half. There was a heat check three by Trent late that really opened the door for Iowa, and then you ended up in what was a, a thrilling last minute. All too thrilling. Way too thrilling. But you got the win, right? But another example of this being a potentially good matchup for Illinois. Now, if the shots are falling, matchup, matchup. It doesn't really matter if Iowa's hitting 40-plus percent from three, and they knock down 12 or 13 of them in a game. Good luck if that's the case. And we have seen this Illinois team, unfortunately, Early in the Penn State game, though, they corrected it. But in the Maryland and Ohio State games, the perimeter defense has not been great. I know EJ Liddell is not probably going to go four for seven from three against any other team in the Big Ten this year. Maybe there's a little bit of a fluky nature to that. But those were pretty good looks that he was getting against Illinois, along with all the other three-point shots opponents made within the last four or five games. So that's a worry. It is. But here's reason number two. Number one is that it's just a good matchup. Number two is the fact that this Illinois team really hates this Iowa team. And it's weird that for an Illinois team that the last three years has seemingly not been able to grasp that bragging rights is a big game, for whatever reason, they seem to grasp that Iowa is. They hate these guys. It's personal. And we saw that on both sides last year when in Iowa City, you had Chin Coleman as they were leaving the bench at the end of the game, expletive-laden tirade against the Iowa bench at the end of that one. That was fun. And then last year, you get McCaffrey and DeMonte getting in each other's grill, and then the fans at State Farm Center just screaming obscenities, myself included, at Fran McCaffrey. Orange Crush was unbelievable that game. It was an old-school old throwback environment at State Farm Center. A rivalry renewed with two great games last year. And this Illinois team last year was at their best when they played with a chip on their shoulder, when they played pissed off. Junkyard Dogs. I forget where that came from. I know that's a cliche that some sports guy used a long time ago, but Illinois' team last year, they, they embodied that. 
DeMonte was a key part of that. Andres Feliz was a huge part of that. But I think Io, sometimes we underrate how tough he can be when he's on. I think we can underrate how tough Kofi is just because he's so big. But when he's playing good basketball, he's pretty damn tough down there. And a good matchup against Luca Garza in the interior, at least. That's not to say Luca's not going to step out for some threes on Friday night. He probably will. But one, it's a good matchup. Two, this Illinois team seems to get it when it comes to Iowa. I would be genuinely shocked if Illinois came out with a flat performance like we saw against Maryland or Ohio State. I expect high-level basketball, sort of like how you saw Illinois against Baylor, as disjointed as that performance was, you could tell they really, really enjoyed playing Baylor. That they relished the opportunity, they understood that this was a big one, and that for 40 minutes, well, 36, let's call it more accurately, 36 minutes, they played their tails off, and then there was the four-minute stretch where Baylor put it away. Iowa's not Baylor. Iowa's a team that can get punked. We saw that with Indiana winning at Iowa City. I'd say that's an aberration, and Iowa's not going to lose a ton of games this year, but Fran McCaffrey's teams up there have a track record. For whatever reason, uh, where the wheels can fall off in a game, they did against Indiana, where I don't think they scored for eight minutes or some crazy stat like that, and we're talking about Iowa's offense, not scoring. But that's happened before, and if the shots aren't falling, Iowa gets frustrated. And it's hard for them defensively to keep a team within arm's reach. That's how Indiana stretched that lead out and they won there. I think that's how Illinois can win on Friday night is to get Indiana, get Iowa, excuse me, in a five minute cold spell, go on a bit of a run yourself, stretch that lead out to nine or 10 points, and then just continue to keep the intensity up, hold them at arm's length. So I expect an Illinois win Friday. Now that's danger, Will Robinson, when you consider the fact that last year I said, I know we're going to beat Maryland and Michigan State. That was more of the excitement of that season and getting swept up in it and wanting to wish that into existence. I have to be honest with this Iowa game coming up. As as excited as I know I'll be when the game starts on Friday, I'm not going to have the same buildup leading into this game. I don't, at the moment, have the same emotional connection to this team. And I think part of that is the way the season has started and fits and starts, and then it stops, and it ends, it's inconsistent, or that even when the games are getting played without a hitch, you're seeing this Illinois team themselves are wildly inconsistent. It's been difficult to put a lot of skin in the game yet, and that's still the case. What's the best win for this Illinois team? Minnesota? Purdue? At Duke? I mean, that was fun, but kind of a novelty when you consider how bad Duke is this year. So what is the best win? Iowa would be the signature when they need. So I sit here detached emotionally as much as I probably could be for a top 20 Illinois team. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. It's been difficult to get fully engaged with this season, just the way it's been so far. But that can change Friday night. Now, of course, I want Illinois to win. So as I make this prediction, as worthless as my predictions are, I'm sure there's a nugget of an emotional reaction in there the emotion of knowing how good it would feel if they beat Iowa on Friday night, how it would really cure a lot of the ills that have happened before. Even if this team is still a game or two out of the Big Ten title at the end of the year and we're saying, ah, curse that Maryland game or ah, that Ohio State game at home. Marquee wins, they can overcome a lot. Go back to 89. They didn't win a Big Ten title, but people can recall five, six, seven, eight extremely memorable games that year. It was memorable in a different way. They don't have the Big Ten title banner, but they have Georgia Tech at home. They have the Iowa Senior Night 
where they smoked him. They have the Indiana and the buzzer beater. They have the Missouri brag and rights game. They had the game at LSU where they scored 123. They got the two blowouts in Michigan in the regular season. Point being, this team, as much as I wanted a Big Ten title, if that's not going to happen, here is something that would give me some consolation. Big wins against teams you don't like. It goes a long way. Beating Iowa, that goes a long way in really changing the way that we felt about this team so far this year. We feel good about it again. If they get this one against Iowa, all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, maybe they don't win a Big Ten title, but this team would certainly assure us that, yes, they are top 20. And that at their best, they're a top 10 caliber team. And that, yes, if they get in the NCAA tournament and get a favorable matchup, they could make a run. So there is a lot hinging on Friday night's game, one which I think they win, one which, of course, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. It's, it's Iowa. We know how good that offense is. But I think Illinois does have the upper hand here. And another bit of fortuitous scheduling, Iowa is going to be as rusty as you are. Essentially, their last game was Thursday, Indiana at home. Illinois' last game was last Tuesday. So yeah, they played a game two days more recently than you have, but does that really matter? Nine days versus seven or 10 days versus eight? It's a wash. If there's a rust factor, both teams are going to be feeling it. You get them at home. Fans are not. They have to travel to your place for a late Friday night game. Get it done. And I think if you are a top 20 team, this is the kind of win that you get. And I think they will. Now, what it means for the rest of the schedule, as I pull this up here and make sure that I get it right, and of course, this is subject to change, as we've all too recently found out in the Big Ten. After Iowa, you go to Indiana, which Rutgers just won there. Who knows? I don't know what that Indiana team is. I genuinely do not understand them. Then Wisconsin at home the following Saturday, then at Michigan. Now, as I look at this schedule, these four games, if you go three and one, you're in pretty good shape. I'm not talking Big Ten title here, right? I think you can afford to lose a game here and still feel like you're having a really good season because that would mean that you win two out of the following three. Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. Now, I don't know which one of those is most likely. I actually think that I feel as good about the Wisconsin game at home in a weird way as I do at Indiana. So I look at these four games. You go three and one, you're having a really good season. You go two and two, and essentially you're kind of where you were before. You got a couple good ones in your back pocket, which is more than you can kind of say for right now. But you also have a couple losses that remind you, oh boy, this is a flawed Illinois team. Four and oh, ooh, then we get excited. But it all starts Friday, right? If you're going to go four and oh, let alone three and one, I think you do need to win that game against Iowa. Other than that, it gets a little bit tenuous with the way that schedule shakes out. And that's not considering the fact that maybe there's a makeup somewhere down the road against Michigan State. I don't know where you'd fit that in. Or a makeup against Nebraska. Again, I don't know where you fit that in. The Big Ten apparently had this whole bye week thing built in the season, and we're seeing hardly any games made up. Not sure what the holdup is. You'd think there'd be some way around that. But there's also the reality that in this pandemic, good luck. And I think there's probably going to be some games that are not played when the season's over. And you might have a Big Ten title winner based on a winning percentage. And then the guy in second place that played two more games than the Big Ten champion is saying, well, wait, this isn't fair. This is where the Michigan thing actually gets very interesting in Big Ten title implications, where if they're out and they don't play another game until, in all likelihood, the Illinois game. So talk about rust factor. They may be two and a half weeks removed from their previous game when they play Illinois on Thursday, February 11th. 
But there is a chance that they just kind of sit back for two weeks, let the other Big Ten teams beat up on each other, swoop back in, they don't make up the games that they missed, and they cruise to a Big Ten title. Now, I'm not going to begrudge any team that wins it, even if they missed three, four, or five games. It's a pandemic. What can you do? And when you get the new variant up there at Michigan, no wonder they're taking it seriously. I'm glad they are, because certain things are bigger than the games. But that's something to watch out for as we get to the end of this Big Ten season when a champion is awarded and we may be thinking, well, that's not fair. Well, you know what? You got to kind of make it up as you go along the way the pandemic's going. We will be back Friday for a second half pod with Trevor and Isaac, and that's going to be a late one and hopefully one that we can hang out late into the night, have a celebratory drink or two after Illinois beats Iowa. That would be a game worth celebrating. And part of me with that Friday night thing, it's, it reminds me of the Maryland game last year. Where if Illinois had won that, oh my God, the rest of the weekend would have been amazing. Instead, you lose in somewhat heartbreaking fashion to Maryland at home after being up pretty big in the first half. And I remember the next day just being kind of bummed. I could see that happening Saturday, and I don't want that. Instead, I want a true celebratory 200-level podcast after that Illinois-Iowa game. And I think there might be some good mojo working here when you consider the fact that a year ago today, may have been the most celebratory 200 level of all time. If you go to our Twitter feed at the 200 level or mine at Fanboy Carp, I retweeted a clip from last year. On January 25th, 2020, Illinois at Michigan. Illinois was 21st in the nation. It was a pretty ugly game. Illinois hung in there in the second half. Michigan kept missing free throws. And then Io had a chance to win it late, and he did. Buzzer beater. That clip is on Twitter. You can find it. And Isaac actually synced it up with the video. And doing that podcast in the basement with Trevor and Isaac. Now, Trevor knew right before the shot went up what happened, and he gave me a wink. So I knew something good was happening. Isaac is behind me, standing up, as he often did last year when it was a tense moment, and getting the let's go. His his signature thing is, let's go. Well, he had opportunity for that in what was one of the most thrilling finishes in recent Illini basketball history with that buzzer, well, not buzzer beater, but game winner from Io. That was a year ago. So if I'm trying to sort of plant the seed for some good mojo on what could happen Friday night, that would be it. That we get another one of those live reaction pods where something good happens in the second half. We have some sort of clip that we can match with the video. And then for the next year, that can be what is on the top of Isaac's Twitter page. I would love for a moment like that. Because in this basketball season, as we've been through, what, 14 games now, I think? Maybe 15, 10 and 5. I think that's the record. There was the Duke game, which was amazingly fun. There was the second half against Northwestern. Other than that, though, what's been your favorite moment? We've had a few here and there, but nothing that has matched what we saw last year. And I think that speaks to how magical last year was and that you had arrived back on the scene in the Big Ten. But not only that, you did so in such a dramatic fashion, all these late wins. And to this team's credit, they are finding ways to put teams away and win comfortably. We didn't really see that with last year's team. And that gives me hope that, man, if this team put it together, they do take that next step from where last year's team was. But you know what? I'll still take a thrilling finish. I would take one Friday night. I would be happy at 10-10 on Friday night to be uncertain of the outcome, jittery in my seat. You know the feelings you get, the butterflies in your stomach. The, The feeling I had during that Duke game back in December, knowing it was a big game, and my body was not quite shaking, but it had that nervous energy to it. I think we can get that Friday night. Though, trust me, I'll gladly take a 15-point win against Iowa and just embarrass them. That's the most ideal, but an exciting win 
can come in a 15-point margin or a buzzer beater from Io. I'll take either one. But I'm feeling the good mojo. I think that this team, as frustrating as they've been, now that we have been made aware multiple times that this is not a top five team for sure, and in all likelihood not a top 10 team, this is more like a top 15, top 20 team that is capable of beating top 10 teams. And in this topsy-turvy college basketball season, that may be enough. And it's certainly enough to beat a team like Iowa on Friday. So let's get it done. And we would feel so good if they did, right? So I'm, I'm holding on to that fact of how much fun the weekend would be if it can be a weekend following an Illinois win against Iowa. Now, even if Illinois does not win on Friday night, you have some positive news to hang your hat on, and that's Illinois football. You can always count on Illinois football. Well, actually, that's not the case at all. But it appears as if Brett Bielema might have something here. The coaching staff is complete. George McDonald, former wide receiver here at Illinois, he's now your wide receivers coach. You poached him from North Carolina State. You also poached Kevin Kane, SMU's defensive coordinator, to come be your outside linebackers coach. Here's what's exciting about this staff. Number one, tons of college experience, which is totally the antithesis of what you have with Lovey Smith. Remember all the Illini stats and notes, tweets that talked about the years of NFL head coaching, or sorry, NFL coaching experience on Lovey Smith's staffs. And on one hand, that's great because the other teams there were the Alabamas and the LSUs of the world, but ultimately didn't work out here. NFL coaching experience does not equate to college success. Now you have guys where if you were to put all the years of college coaching experience together for this staff, I'd be interested to see where that ranks nationally, or at least in the Big Ten, because you have a bunch of college football lifers. So that alone, you have a coaching staff full of guys that have been at it for a long time at this level. That's key. Another thing to really look forward to with Brett Bielema is the fact that whatever sales job he had to do on these coaches, some of whom took a lateral move in the case of George McDonald, or some of them like Kevin Kane, actually took what you might call a demotion from a defensive coordinator at SMU, I bet said MSU, at SMU, to an outside linebackers coach at Illinois. Kind of a demotion in terms of the position. I'm sure he's getting paid more. But the sales job it takes and the cachet that he must have in the coaching profession to lure these guys in here, that says a lot. Lovey Smith had cachet. It was one of the things that I was kind of ravishing on him when Illinois made that hire. I thought that he had the brand and he had the recognition and the respect to bring in a really top-notch coaching staff. He did not. Spoiler alert. When I look at Brett Bielema, there may not be a single hire that he had that makes you go, oh my God, that's amazing. But collectively, there's a bunch of B to B plus hires. And that means that you have a competent coaching staff. I think at worst, you have a competent coaching staff guys that have been at it for a long time, that if it doesn't work out here at Illinois, they will be gladly welcomed into other programs. Unlike a Garrick McGee that became a video assistant for Missouri, you're looking at a bunch of coaches that will probably keep their position gigs or be a coordinator elsewhere. And that to me is the first step towards what I dubbed as my expectation last year. I said consistent competence. Not just because it's alliteration and I like you know having words with similar sounds at the beginning of them. But consistent competence to me for Illinois football, that's attainable. I'm not asking for excellence. I don't need that from Illinois football. I don't need Big Ten titles, to be honest. I need to know that every Saturday, the team that's going to be on the field is respectable and won't make complete asses of themselves. And I think this was a huge first step to achieving that rather meager goal. I understand it's meager, 
to say, well, I just want them to be consistently competent. But think about it. Has Illinois in your lifetime ever been consistently competent in football? Closest thing to that would have been Makovic. But since then, you've had a lot of inconsistency and a lot of outright bad football teams. And I think that when you look at elevating that floor of what this program can accomplish under Brett Bielema, the first step was what kind of coaching staff does he surround himself with? What kind of talent can he lure to coach with him when you're looking at someone that got fired from Arkansas, has been out of the college game for three years, and now his sales job has come to Illinois, one of the worst Power 5 football programs. And I think he sold it pretty well. And if you really want to take solace in all this, it's the fact that so many of these seniors that had that extra year, they elected to come back and play for Brett Bielema. These were Lovey Smith's guys, though I think a lot of the comments they made recognize the fact that that energy and whatever mojo they might have had at the beginning of last year with Lovey, it was gone. It evaporated so quickly last year and the wheels came off. So to see them welcome in this new coaching staff and say, yeah, I want to play for these guys. Owen Carney actually doing a flip, saying I'm going in the transfer portal and then saying, actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to stay here. To me, that's indicative that these guys like this coach and they like this coaching staff. That's a pretty quick sales job. And it puts you in position to not suck next year. Think about the year ones that we've had as Illinois football fans. You go back to Beckman's first year. Probably didn't need to be as bad as it was, 2-10. and 10. You were coming off of a 7-6 and six year. That's how bad it was uh, with Tim Beckman, where by November you were thinking just ended already. There were actually a, a few little things here and there talking about firing Beckman after one year. I don't think anyone would have followed Mike Thomas for doing that as bad as year one was. Go back to Ron Zook the first year. Hey, you won the first two games, including a thrilling overtime win against Rutgers, and then you got the doors blown off of you essentially for the next nine. You were leading, if you recall. You were 2-0. Tim Brasick led you into Berkeley, and you were beating California in the first half. That game was not on TV. I went over to a buddy's place to listen to it on the radio, and then it just quickly devolved from there. But yeah, year one for Ron Zook, not good. Year one for Ron Turner, winless. Year one for Lou Tepper, ah, hell, who cares by that point? But the point is, you have a rare opportunity for this program to actually have enough success year one to hopefully catapult that into some immediate recruiting success. Now, you will have to do the patchwork transfer thing. And I think that even if Lovey were still here, God forbid, I don't even want to think about that. But if he were, the transfer market would have been the same sort of uh, emphasis right? Because you need to fill these holes of all the guys that are going to be leaving after 2021. But the key difference is that you're starting to see legitimate interest from high school recruits. And I think if you can couple that with the patchwork transfer guy here and there, depending on areas or positions of need, you can make this work. I don't think year two is going to be all that great for Brett Bielema, just because of the attrition that you'll have and having to, well, you got to find a quarterback eventually, right? But if you can have a successful year one, it makes it so much easier of a sales job and it really shortens the quote-unquote rebuild. I'd love to think that in this college football environment, Illinois could completely avoid a rebuild and just get right to it. And you know what? Maybe in the Big Ten West with Purdue floundering and Nebraska, who knows what that is. Hey, and maybe we'll get lucky and P.J. Fleck will go to Tennessee. But even if he doesn't, do we have as much faith in Minnesota as we did last year? You have a window of opportunity in this Big Ten West where if everything goes right, you can win some games. Now, I don't expect eight and four this year. I'll take six and six. I think they can do that. And the feeling of going to the Red Box Bowl again 
except in this case, it would be your year one under Brett Bielema instead of year four under Lovey Smith. That'd feel a lot different. It would feel like, wait a second, this is competent coaching. This is consistent competence on the field where every Saturday you feel like, you know what, you got a puncher's chance. And while that may sound like a very meager expectation, and I get it, I have long since accepted the fact that Illinois football is likely not going to be a perennial Big Ten title contender. And that's okay. Just give me football Saturdays that I can look forward to. That's it. And I think that this staff gives you the chance to do that. And the amount of seniors that you have on extras team gives you the chance to avoid that awful first year. You couple those two things together, I think we may be happy come this fall. Now, whether that means we can be in the stadium or not, fingers crossed, I think in some way, shape, or form we'll be able to. Outdoors in September, everyone vaccinated, at least the people that aren't anti-vaxxers, whatever that's about. But yes, it is encouraging to feel as if there is a football program that is actually headed in the right direction instead of just stagnating, or in the case of the end of the Lovey Smith era, falling back to essentially where they began. All right. This is a week where I don't know if we're going to be back or not. I don't know what news is going to break, if any news. Here's hoping there's a game Friday. Here's hoping that we can be here for the second half of the Illinois-Iowa game and put on a podcast and hopefully a celebratory podcast of that because we are starving for that. It's been a weird month, if you think about it. A month ago was Christmas, and it was two days after Illinois beat Penn State after falling behind 19-4. to And if you would have told me that a month later, I still wouldn't really know what we have with this Illinois basketball team. I would have said, oh, come on, that's crazy. I thought the Penn State game was actually the switch being flipped on. But I think eventually this team figures something out. And I think it happens Friday. I hope that's the case. I hope we have a fun podcast. If Illinois loses, despite my little preamble about how we need to recognize them as human beings during a pandemic, of course I'll be frustrated if they lose to Iowa or if they fall down 12 points in the first half like they've done so often, even against not-so-good Big Ten teams. Yes, it's okay to still watch the games, feel that emotion, get frustrated. That's what watching sports is about. Ride that roller coaster, nothing wrong with that. Um, but I do stand by the fact that in this year of all years, I am going to try to take a more proactive approach and recognize that there are some major external factors going on in these kids' lives. And I say kids. 18 to 22, you could say they're young adults. That is true. But I look back to all the dumbassery that I had from 18 to 22 years old and think, you know what? These kids are handling it remarkably well. So kudos to them. God knows I'm rooting for them. I want to win as many games as possible, but I think I will try to keep a little bit of perspective in there as well. Before we go, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. When you're sitting in your house on Friday night, you need some good pregame food especially before we start drinking, right? And listen, as someone that was on the U of I campus from 05 to 09, there were few better pregame meals than DP Doe. You can get a custom zone with any topping you want. One of their favorites, like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, $5 calzones if you use coupon code Mike. And best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you get that afternoon cocktail going. You don't want to go anywhere. Let them bring you the calzone just in time for the Illinois-Iowa game. That can be your good luck calzone. How about that? From dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike at dpdo.com. And speaking of good luck, how about you get your good luck t-shirt or crew neck sweatshirt from fourthandkirby.com. Vintage inspired one eye apparel. I got three t-shirts and a crew neck sweatshirt. I got to decide which one to bust out Friday night to bring that good mojo back to this Illinois basketball season, you can use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order 
at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, renters, business, you name it. We worked with them on homeowners and auto. Great price, of course, as you often get with State Farm, but more importantly, great personalized service from Brian and his staff. Brianismyguy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate all of you. Rate and review us at Apple Podcast. And hey, if you want to do us another solid, this music that you're hearing, it's Decadence, Out of Your Head from our latest album, Fever Dreams, available wherever you listen to music. If we don't see you before Friday, well, we'll see you then. It is the 200 level. Peace.